Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This episode, it's Andy Kaufman. My name's Dan, and I was such an anxious little kid that when I had a substitute teacher at school, I would frequent the bathroom and try to hide in there as long as possible. My name is Jimmy, and COVID-19 required me to have bubbly for the week, and LaCroix is immensely superior. My name is Jeff, and I've only shaved my face with shaving cream one time. <laughs> I've known that fun fact about you. I don't know yeah, why. But... It was uh, junior prom. I oh, shaved my face with shaving cream. It, didn't you say it hurt? I probably did it wrong. It was yeah. the first and only time I've ever done it. And I didn't even have like a legit beard. I had like kind of some fuzzies yeah. and a longer <laughs> goatee at that point, but I didn't have like a mustache really. But yeah, I tried no, to I convince it. you to get a straight razor shave for your wedding. Yeah, uh, Lindsay didn't want that either. Uh, she likes my beard. She actually, we were watching a show, and this guy had a very pronounced uh, chin dimple. Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah, or clef or whatever it's called. And she was like, "Oh, I don't like that. I'm not. I'm, I don't were like. I don't uh-oh. think. I don't think that those are attractive." <laughs> and then I was like, "Well, that's why I have a beard." And she was like, "Wait, do, do you?" She doesn't even. I, I don't. So funny. But I. You do have a little one. From I what I remember, that. I don't. I don't <laughs> you do have it. a little one. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I just um, you keep it cropped pretty close these days, though, Je- Jeff. I, I'm pro- I'm a professional. Yeah, Damn, yeah, I have to. But uh, I I am keeping the straight razor in my back pocket because I do eventually want to do a talk me into or oh boy. Uh, like a video. Are I have shaving? the whole setup, dude. Yeah, talk me into straight shaving. I got a straight oh. razor. Or we, or, got a strop. Everything. Or we can go to. Uh, the barbershop does that yeah. mean i have to shave too no just me okay. i just thought it would be a fun video kind of like the talk me into swimming i think you that's guys, a good oh, idea yeah. for this we'll summer. go to a barbershop and you guys can get straight razor beard shaves and i'll get a straight razor head shave i'll just be uncle fester uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be, be cool funny. yeah jeff yeah do we have any reviews or anything no we do not <laughs> i don't uh, think so jimmy edit that part yeah <laughs> why they need to I send them know. in send them in folks we're desperate Get used to it. It's I, kiss or kill. Well, we record so much at one time that we use them all up. Yeah. But you know what people can do? They can go to patreon.com slash talk me into. They can. And join up there and have another form to leave us comments and also watch stuff, hear extra stuff. It's pretty cool. There's a lot of very cool stuff up there. Jimmy has some videos about how he makes his podcast that are That's very, true. very good, actually. In yeah. depth. Yeah. I was like, wow, these are good. It's like really? Jimmy does a lot of stuff that I didn't really know he did. Well, yeah. yeah, it's like because I, I edited a podcast for years and I was like, oh, I wasn't good. No, you were not good. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, Jimmy's like, he knows what he's doing. He's talking about like stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. That's I could I could physically edit like I'm good at that. But everything else like sounds and plugs and switches I and mean, buttons. Since we don't have reviews or comments, let's just take a minute. I'm, we've done this before, but let's just give props to Jimmy. 
right oh, now. Because you guys. like when I came up with the conceit for this podcast and I knew I wanted to work with Jeff, I told Jeff, I'm only doing this if we could bring Jimmy into it because he's way better. And I said, I'm only <laughs> doing it if I don't have to record or edit. Yeah. And it worked out. Now perfectly. we're here. Yeah. Thank and you, and you were like, can Jimmy trifecta. do it? And I was like, but he's a little baby cousin. What does he know? And you're like, like, no, he like went to college and it's his job. He knows how to do this stuff. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, he's a grown up now. I forgot that we're old. All that yeah. time that you struggled to like make one edit, Jimmy was like learning how to do it the right way and do it in five seconds. I will say, if it wasn't for you, Jeff, and IC3, I would not have been like oh into God. like editing and stuff. Wow, that's Because that's I was like, hey, knowledge. Jeff can do this. I can do this too. <laughs> Maybe the greatest example of a student becoming the master. <laughs> wow, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Life's cry. <laughs> Edit. Every week on the show, this is the time where we talk to each other and to the audience about things that we're talking ourselves into in our personal lives. It's not going to be an episode worth of content. We're not going to talk for an hour about eating Pringles. I don't know. Maybe you're talking yourself into eating Pringles. <laughs> Who knows? The world's a crazy place. Um, but this week, this month, I've been talking myself into being the hero society needs. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So let me explain myself if that wasn't perfectly <laughs> clear as to what I meant. A lot of times in my life, and a lot of people, most people are like, what am I doing with my life? Why do I wake up in the morning? Why do I go to this job? Nothing matters. Like my last job, I sold sonic screwdrivers on Amazon. You know, like there was more to it, but who the hell cares? It's a toy. It's an overpriced toy. Why are you doing this? And for the first time in my life, I have a modicum of respect for myself, a tiny little bit, because my job is to provide groceries to society. And, at, oh. and in the world... That's scarce right now. Yeah. So there's like a little bit of me that's like, I'm doing something when really I'm doing the same thing I do every day. Just more of it. Yeah. We should contextualize a little bit in case people are listening to this like five years from now. Yeah. We are in the midst of COVID-19. Right. As we record. It is uh, just some behind the scenes. It is March 21st, 2020 at time of recording. So if the apocalypse happens in June... Uh, and you find this podcast on a hard drive in the future and you figure out how to use it with your future technologies. Uh, that's or maybe the world's still running perfectly fine, but three of the three of us have coincidentally died from <laughs> COVID-19 yeah. related. Awesome. We're not, I'm six feet away from you guys, but you guys are like three feet apart. So I don't know. Mm. Yeah. You might get it. That's okay. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying like, I, I, I feel a little bit better about myself. That's that, interesting. That I'm helping out society a little bit. I like that. Because, like, I knew about the toilet paper thing, like, three weeks ago. I called my mom. I was like, get toilet paper just in case. Or, like, pasta. I'm like, pasta's next on the hit list. I'm like, get, <laughs> some, get some chicken now because you're not going to get it for two weeks. Like, I know yeah. some things. And, uh, you know, we're doing our best. Doing our best to keep, keep your bellies full and your hineys clean. So, I'd like to piggyback on this because this segment is usually just about a bunch of random stuff that we're into right now. But I think right now we're all we're just living quarantine life. Yeah, the whole world is pretty much doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but ironically, another connection that the three of us have is that as everyone stays home from work <laughs> and works from home, telecommutes, whatever you want to call it, we are coincidentally all deemed essential or yeah. critical. Yeah. Like, yeah. I have to go to work. Yeah. Same. So, uh, yeah, my quarantine life right now, I'm talking myself into rewatching old shows to self-soothe 
Oh, okay. okay. So even though I have a bunch of new stuff on my list, uh, when I get home and I'm stressed out from work and I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to see my girlfriend or that my family's going to die from viruses, I have been putting on The Office from the beginning. It's a good idea. It's a great one. I've been thinking about that. Because Netflix told me to. And as soon as I saw <laughs> in like recommended, like, oh, watch again. I was like, yes, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Time number seven, please. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, Michael Scott is a way bigger dick in the beginning of that series than yeah. I remembered him being. He's basically Ricky Gervais. Yeah. And it's uh, it's, season. it's just soothing to get back into it. Yeah. I fall asleep within like the first episode. <laughs> and it's just like you wake up seven episodes later you miss yeah. a lot of stuff but you're like oh well i don't care i know exactly what happened yeah. i've probably watched that whole show like four times yeah same so uh yeah i'm i'm trying to self-soothe during this self-quarantine that i'm not really self-quarantining neither am i yeah because i have to go to work it's like like i'm glad that i have job security right like my job's not going anywhere. Yeah. But it also sucks because, like, I see people chilling out and they're undies at home. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want to do that. But then I'm talking to, like, friends from my last job. And I'm like, oh, you send stuff to Amazon and Amazon's restricting shipment. So, like, are you getting laid off soon? Yeah. yeah. Yikes. Yeah, it's a scary time right now. Um, currently, I am enjoying myself quarantine by playing a little game. This is a throwback. Animal Crossing New Horizons. That's like a big thing now. I'm seeing on yeah. the internet. Animal Crossing. I, that was actually one of my early talking myself into. Yeah, I remember. Uh, which was, was like a game. Tom the Mayor or something. Uh, Tom Nook. Uh, How did I remember that? Yeah, crazy. Wow. Tom Nook is the is the uh, guy who's giving you your loan to uh, live in this village. And right now, I am living on a deserted island, and I get oh. to basically terraform the entire island and make the village exactly how I want. Is this the game or your real life? I mean both. Uh, <laughs> That'd this, be cool. Uh, the both have pretty much just mixed all in, all into one little thing, and I am super enjoying it. It is such a nice trip away from reality. Um, it is so addicting. Um, it's cute. It's very fun. You get to fish. You get to look for fossils. Um, yeah, you get to leave the lonely real world and go to your lonely island by yourself. Yeah. And I listen to the Lonely Island while doing that. Yeah. Um, no, it's super fun. I'm really enjoying it. And uh, everybody else is too. And you get to visit other people's islands because it's 2020 and you get to do internet things. So uh, I'm enjoying it. Well, in the real world, you can't visit their islands. Yeah, exactly. Although the price tickets are pretty, uh, the plane tickets are pretty low. But uh, don't want to do that. Don't want to be spreading this virus. The end. The end. Nothing funny to say at the end. <laughs> Andrew Jeffrey Kaufman, known by his stage name, Andy Kaufman. Big stretch there. It is a big stretch. Was a, I call him a comedian. Call him a performance artist. Yeah. He's a, he was a performer. He was an entertainer. He was a funny man. Song and dance man. He did love song and dance. He was a huge fan of Elvis, and he eventually did uh, an Elvis impersonation, which was very popular. Mm. Um, his most mainstream success was on the television show Taxi, which ran from the late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. with Danny DeVito, Tony Danza, a bunch of people you've seen, I can't remember names. Um, he was on early Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, back when Saturday Night Live had less of a format. Um, right. You, the last, you know, 35 years or so, it has a pretty... uniform structure yeah exactly pretty uniform structure which is exactly what i was going to say dan um but back then it was a little more loose and he would do some weird stuff 
They um, would also come on with like the Muppets for no reason. Yeah, well, Jim Henson was a huge part of SNL. Yeah. Um, before like he was really. Oh, I didn't famous. know that. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Um, and so what Jeff's alluding to is Andy Kaufman would come on and do like a weird skit. Yeah, I'm I'm f- somewhat familiar with those. I've never seen them, but. Right, and, and a lot of those are in the playlist, which is in the show notes. So we're going to get more in depth with all of that in the second half of this episode. Mm-hmm. But this half is just kind of to introduce the audience and Jimmy um, to Andy Kaufman. Um, so I know that, Jimmy, you said that you're interested in this because you don't know anything about him except for, like, he's known for being this avant-garde comedian. Yes. So what's crazy is, like, he was he was at the forefront of like this weird, like alternate comedy scene. If you want to call it, you know, there's like Tim and Eric. Yes. Are like your generation, yeah. not mine. Cause I'm older than no, <laughs> our generation. Like, like, Oh, this is some weird out yeah. there comedy and stuff. But like, to me, Andy Kaufman was a huge inspiration to people like them. And he would do stuff very subtly and not, not even things that are funny, but he would just present things in a way that were awkward, that were controversial for the sake of controversy. And he wasn't afraid of people hating him. The one I'm familiar with is uh, in the middle of his special, it just went to static. So people would, uh, yeah, that's a, so people would try and tune their channel to, uh, to get it to work or something. Right. And if you've seen the biopic man on the moon with Jim Carrey, a lot of his classics are in there like that. And him trying to explain to the executives why to do it. Cause he had this, (laughs) this special on TV. Um, and he just thought it was funny. Like, yeah, that's, that is funny. That's the kind of thing where when you're, when you're on a stage in front of an audience, like as a comedian, I've never done this, but when you tell a joke, you know, instantly whether it's funny and you nailed it mm. or it bombs there's mm-hmm. laughter that's the response andy kaufman didn't need that he didn't want that reaction he was desiring well, confusion i think he was eliciting some sort of an emotional response correct which but, laughter but, is one option but hatred and vitriol is another right mm. he is you know he's the master troll and he did it so well and on such a a large scale yeah that even today people aren't really sure of certain things um the big one is whether he faked his own death yeah um, and we're gonna get to that a little bit later yeah i wanted to back read to a, conspiracy theories I, I wanted to read a quote from andy kaufman about his method of entertaining um at one point in a in a rare introspective interview he said i am not a comic i have never told a joke The comedian's promise is that he will go out there and make you laugh with him. My only promise is that I will try to entertain you as best as I can. Mm. And he he did have a show at Carnegie Hall where he was playing music. He was doing weird stuff like there was a, a famous thing where he would like talk to his grandmother. And when he was at Carnegie Hall, uh, his grandmother was actually Robin Williams in a wig. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know that Robin Williams was involved in that. Um, and we should talk about a lot of his early work was consist was based around impressions and characters, sometimes strange. And he was spotted doing a foreign man character who was just, you know, spoke broken English and was confused mm. about things. And that was the part that got adapted into the television show Taxi Driver. Oh, okay. As Latka. That Makes was basically sense. his foreign man character. Right. And that was going back to SNL. There's there's a clip in the playlist where it's his performance on SNL and 
he's he wasn't well known back then he was just a guy that got on saturday night live and he does the voice and he's stumbling over his words and he's confused and he's missing stuff and he looks like he's sweating and this is live tv so people in the audience people at home think this guy's bombing yeah and then he just like nails what he's doing Mm -hmm. people die he just built up this anticipation without even saying a word and then just with his body language everything just clicked he also had a lot of long-term long-running bits that went on through large portion of his careers so jeff what do you think of when you think of some of his long-running ideas the the one that uh hit me personally was the the wrestling Mm -hmm. um troll which which it was um that's why we're gonna watch i'm from hollywood which is a vhs it was a movie that andy kaufman started to make prior to his death in 1984 they started making it in 1983 where he was compiling a lot of tv appearances and just raw video and stuff about um what we'll talk about in a minute and he passed in 1984 and his girlfriend at the time and another friend completed it in 1989 and released it on vhs I bought this VHS in a grocery store in 1999 when they re-released it, probably like in with to coincide a movie. with man. Yeah. Cause it was like, he was coming back into like culture and it was a big thing. And you know, around that time, the few movies I had on VHS were the original star Wars trilogy and this, and every day <laughs> after school, I would come home and watch one of those four tapes on repeat. Mm. nonstop so we should say like basically he became enamored with the idea of eliciting a negative response from his audience so the way he did this was to turn himself into the ultimate wrestling heel or bad guy (laughs) right so he would only wrestle women so intergender champion he would he would egg women on to wrestle him on david letterman's show just in public and um some He, he portrayed himself as this hollywood elitist like yeah. thinks he's better than everyone. A lot of times he made fun of wrestling fans, called them hillbillies. And that gets like into that. the Jerry Lawler right. stuff, but like the intergender stuff. So he would wrestle women on TV and, you know, some of them were real, but some of them were planted or, you yeah. know, fakes to get this. And people just assumed that this was just him doing his thing. Yeah. At this time he was talking a lot about misogynistic ideals. Like this was during the women's lib movement and women were interested in proving that they were equal to men. Yeah. And he was like, you'll never be equal to us physically. And he would ask <laughs> and, and any woman to challenge him. He's not like in peak physical shape. No. He's like, my, he's like, <laughs> he's my like a shape. doughy mid thirties yeah. guy balding yeah um and he would go on uh david letterman's show a lot and it was a question for a long time whether david letterman was in on it or not and he started the feud with jerry lawler who people of our age know as just like this a host of like wwf raw but in the 70s he he was was a big time wrestler jerry so they, they started the feud and on david letterman's show uh he suplexes him and breaks andy coffin's neck so he's walking around in public always but again with uh neck brace on did he break his neck oh was it planned was it fake there's also a famous slap across the face that people can't tell if it was real or not and what i like about andy kaufman and and i'll get a little bit into his other long running bit that i loved but um we should say that he would never break ever so nobody knows if Jerry the King Lawler was in on it, if David Letterman was in on it, if they really hated each other, if he was really beaten up, yeah. it's left ambiguous. His mm. uh, collaborator and co-writer, Bob Zamuda, 
refuses to reveal the secrets. Yeah. Well, interestingly, sometimes he will reveal, but then other times he'll reveal the exact opposite. Oh. Still to this day. Yeah. He still goes on about what ifs. Yeah. Um, my thing that I turn to a lot about long running bits is Tony Clifton. Yeah. Yeah. So Tony Clifton, whether you choose to believe or not, is a different person than Andy Kaufman, <laughs> who is a lounge singer. Yeah. Who is very rude and crass towards the audience and basically is not that good of a lounge singer. Just a uh, misogynistic, cigar yeah. smoking, overweight. Yeah, washed up has been. Like New York transplant to Florida. Yeah. Dirty, okay. leisure suit wearing, guy. mustache, aviator sunglasses. And he basically, if you hear him tell it, he didn't even like Andy Kaufman. Mm. But for some reason, we no one knows really why, Andy owed him a favor and he forced would... Tony Clifton into like good positions. Like mm. Tony Clifton was given guest starring roles in Taxi. Now, what we've been told by films and other people is that Tony Clifton was Andy Kaufman. It was an act. Oh. However. And, and for a while, there was an evolution of the character, which is in the playlist where like yeah it's obviously andy kaufman wearing like you know the leisure suit but then he starts wearing big glasses and a mustache and even he starts prosthetics getting weight he starts getting prosthetics so it got to the point where he wanted to prove so bad that it wasn't him that he had bob zamuda supposedly dress up like andy kaufman and they showed up in the same place at the same time so people thought they were talking to andy kaufman as tony clifton and, and then, then andy, andy kaufman, kaufman walks up, up. <laughs> this is weird and to this day uh what some 35 years after his death tony clifton is still making appearances places which leads to the further confusion is this somebody playing tony clifton is andy alive yeah people have assumed that tony clifton is now portrayed by bob zamuda but bob zamuda denies all this oh this is weird <laughs> this is gonna it's get weird very weird how did andy awesome. kaufman uh supposedly die he had cancer. Oh, okay. So he was actually, he died at 35, which is eerie because it's a year older than me. <laughs> and to me, he's just like this, uh, this monolith of, a, <laughs> of an entertainer. Yeah. He's such a hero. And he, he was doing this stuff younger than me. Um, you know, he probably started in his early twenties, mid twenties when he rose to fame. Well, anti-fame. I yeah. don't know what you want to call it. Um, <laughs> Infamy. He's loved and hated. He is because he would do things like he took the entire theater out for milk and cookies. He <laughs> he hired buses to pick people up and drive them to like after a, Carnegie Hall. They yeah, to, to like a cookies. diner, and he served them milk and cookies. He would do these weird big things. And to juxtapose, he's also ended comedy shows early by forcing the reading of The Great Gatsby on people. He would just stop in the middle and read because the entire he, book. He, people would think that they were getting one thing. They would go to see Andy Kaufman perform and like, do the Mighty Mouse thing that he or did on do SNL. Latka. Yeah, because he was, fam he was famous for Latka, the character, yeah. on Taxi. And he would show up and like, I don't want to do it. He's like, let me do my own thing. Then he just stops and he reads an entire book and doesn't stop or he does his entire set as a children's birthday performer and sings kids songs and plays acoustic guitar and never does any of his bits or characters that's awesome and he's and the 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 best part about this is that all of his performances to me are like crying wolf because when he mm. does this stuff and then he goes on an interview you never know what's real yeah. um there's a video 
of him going on David Letterman. He was, he was on Letterman quite a lot throughout his career um, in the playlist where he shows up and he's not smiling. He's telling this story about how his, his girl's leaving him and he's not doing well and people are laughing at him. And he's he looks confused. He's insisting, like, yeah, he's like that he's upset and that it's this, real. <laughs> this is real. Why are you doing this to me? Um, and you don't know. Like we can assume it's an act. And it's I really think us. his favorite reaction was that uncomfortable, cringy laughter where people are laughing, but they don't know if they should be. Yeah, and yeah. especially in this video, we're going to talk about that more. There's something that comes up that's very. Um, what's the word controversial foreshadowing oh, yeah. of his future oh. um there's uh, there's also yeah it's i love the man <laughs> he just he makes you think and he does things that people still today are too afraid to do right and he takes because he yeah. he didn't care about reputation um he 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 wanted people to hate him so that other people would laugh and he just liked that he was getting, you know, if you have an audience of people on their feet screaming at you, mm-hmm. you're eliciting as much emotional response and giving them arguably as much entertainment as them sitting there laughing with you. Yeah. They're still engaged for that entire performance. That's true. That's true. So, Jim, I think you've mentioned you don't have a lot of exposure. Yeah. I'm excited for this. This is going to be, this is going to be a fun one. So one, one, go into this just knowing what we told you. Yeah. And also the the big thing before we go to the break is that he died in 1984 and people still today think that he may not have died. Um, mm. You will see that in a few times coming up in the playlist. We put videos in there and some audio um, that might touch on this and yeah, bob zamuda just recently wrote a book with uh andy's wife were they married that Lynn? i believe they were yes or his girlfriend um the truth finally i believe it's called and guess oh, what there's not really a lot of truth <laughs> i'm sure but he keeps perpetrating like yeah. i don't know maybe he's alive and all this. andy would never break yeah. the joke exactly he would never break the bit and yeah. maybe that's the ultimate punchline yeah so check out the playlist and when we come back, we'll be spoiling, if that's possible, <laughs> Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman is a funny man, apparently. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. That's what we learned. Yeah, we learned that Andy Kaufman's a funny boy. So uh, Dan and Jeff gave me a playlist of a bunch of YouTube clips. Obviously, these are all pre-YouTube. They're from the late 70s, early 80s. And uh, we watched them. And so our first clip was, um, was it his first appearance on SNL or just uh, a random One of them it was from November 8th, 1975, <laughs> which is like a month after Saturday Night Live premiered. Oh, wow. So it was still pretty early on. Yeah, that's crazy. So he started off... Um, this was his foreign man foreign man character that you guys were talking about. Yeah. And uh, I thought the voice was great. Um, and I like that the audience didn't quite get it. Uh, right. But, but they're still going along with it, because which is cool. at this time, SNL had, like, stand-ups on. Yeah. Sometimes, like, in lieu of musical guests or with them. So I, I'm really interested to know if even people at home, because it was live, knew what was going on or knew that it was like a joke and he wasn't an actual stand-up yeah it felt um 
super awkward, but still, um, like positive. It's it's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. You can't help but smile at his enthusiasm of like this this confused sort of but good natured guy telling like a super mundane story and doing doing bad imitations. Um, the other thing I thought of when we watch the foreign man stuff is it doesn't come off as problematic to me, even in this day and age when, you know, we're more sensitive to like, you know, making fun of people with accents and stuff. I think a lot of it is that it's such a generic foreign man. Like it's not like anybody specifically. It's kind of like no, Robin Williams did the same thing. And there's too. no stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. To me, that's it is he doesn't punch down. So he's never, um, playing the foreign man character as stupid or bad or mm-hmm. portraying any like negative stereotypes like you said Jeff he's just naive he's just naive and innocent yeah. which is sort yeah. of refreshing he's just like this good natured guy like, with a funny accent like when he asked to stop the tapes and at this time it's promoted as a live show like, <laughs> yeah. yeah everybody's excited like wow this is crazy that it's live and not pre-recorded it's so good and it's it's really funny and then he starts crying because he messes up yeah the crying and, is amazing and that turns into him playing on the congas and which is so fun very fun because he never has to come out and be like this is the gag or like bow at the end you understand the joke because it turns into absurdity so you're like even if you went through that whole bit thinking that he was a real guy who was like just foreign and didn't understand what was going on by the time his crying turns into a conga line you're like, oh, this is a bit, and it's funny. Yeah, it, it was super good. The The payoff was amazing. I also love that he, he kept silence, too. Like, there was a lot of times where he was just silent, and oh, the yeah. audience was just kind of, like, chuckling. Yeah, there's dead air. Not quite sure what was happening. And Even yeah. early on at this point, he was willing to break standard broadcasting, uns, you know, unspoken norms. Yeah. Which leads perfectly into the next clip. Yeah, which, which gets is, a little more awkward. Which is yeah. the biggest SNL ripoff of all time, Fridays. Yeah, which, I didn't even hear about it. It was only this. on for like a season or yeah. two. This it launched from, some big people, though. I mean, obviously, you saw Andy Kaufman. You saw Michael Richards, who went yeah. on to play Kramer. And also Larry David, after he got fired from SNL, he worked on Fridays. Yep, yep, I saw that. Yeah, this one's from uh, 1981. So, Jim, why don't you lead with this? Like, have, Did you ever hear of this? Did you know anything I'd never about heard. Uh, I think you guys were talking about how... I think you guys might have mentioned something like this in the beginning. Um, but I didn't hear about this. I knew nothing about it. So basically it was Kaufman and Michael Richards and another actress too. I don't remember who it was. Maybe two actresses. Yes. Yeah. There were um, two couples the, on a date. Yeah, yeah. The concept of the sketch was a pretty like pedestrian and boring idea of these two couples on a double date and throughout the dinner they were, each of them was sneaking away to the bathroom to get high on marijuana yeah it was kind of weird how they were sort of introducing the the sketch as they were going along but i think that had to do with the Kaufman bit i'm not completely sure but i think it added to it um but yeah so basically it, it appears that Kaufman doesn't remember his lines i believe and no. uh, i don't remember exactly he, he, what he says is he didn't feel comfortable portraying someone who's high since he's not like a marijuana smoker. Yeah. He said he felt dumb and felt dopey. Okay. But, it, yeah. but it's live as well. Yeah. So you can't stop the tapes. So this is when the other actors start to get upset at him because yeah. they're doing their jobs. They've known the lines, they've rehearsed them. And here he <laughs> is just like in the middle of a skit bombing and purposely. Yeah. 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 And then uh, Michael Richards grabs the cue cards and puts them right in front of Andy Kaufman. And then uh, I think somebody was pulling him away. Well, he threw a glass of water 
in yeah. his face. Oh yeah, that's and then, right. And then the whole crowd got pulled in, and one of the women actresses starts to rub food from the table into Andy's hair, and he gets mad. It, it was, and they, they're yelling to stop show. the tapes, and you're <laughs> yeah. wondering like, why aren't they just cutting the commercial because it's live? Yeah, it's um, because clearly it's a bit, but. Well, clearly, I mean, I don't know. I think there's some debate. When you have a person like Andy Kaufman involved in things like these, I feel like people. We're we're looking at this in retrospect. Yeah. He's never, I believe this is his first big like stunt where there's, Mm. to me, there's a question of who knows. It's not, is it real or it's fake? Because obviously he knew what was going on. Yes. The question is, who else knows? So the rumor is, is that some people knew, and they get into it in the next video. We put up the apology video from the yeah. next week. But even today, the rumor is that some people knew and some didn't. So some <laughs> actors, some producers yeah. knew that it was going to happen and some didn't because they wanted to elicit real reactions. Yeah. And it was like an art piece. And then that's what they explain in the apology um, segment from the producer. And Andy comes out to start to apologize. And even then he breaks. So then... This this to me seems like scripted, like the producer knows, but it's still you still don't know from the week before. Yeah, yeah. What actually was real and not. That's true. And his take on the apology is so perfect. Like even in his admission, he actually casts further doubts on what's real and what's what's not real. Yeah. So in something that should be used to clarify, he actually deeper deepens the confusion. Yeah. And whether it's real or not, it's still funny because it's so awkward and so cringeworthy. Yeah. The whole I'm not joking. You're laughing at this. It's pretty tasteless. Yeah. And he's like, what's what's wrong with you people? Yeah. And it's so good. Yeah. That was really good. He and- goes on to do that and other things. I, I think I accidentally left it out of this playlist, but he goes on. um Letterman. He goes on Letterman later yeah. when he talks about, like, he comes on and he's he doesn't smile at all, and he's just talking about like how, yeah, uh, he's having like problems with his spouse, and mm-hmm. this is right maybe like a year before he died of cancer, and on the air he's like coughing and stuff, yeah, like, oh, really geez. bad. So it was probably real coughs of him like being sick, and the audience is laughing like riotously that's dark and and he's like why are you laughing this isn't funny well and that's the interesting thing is with him like he's so quick i feel like the coughing or like his initial reaction was probably real and then when he felt the audience laughing he rolled that into a bit yeah because i don't think he was really pissed off at the audience but he realized that that was a moment where he could take advantage of that uncomfortable laughter right so his, his whole appearance on that clip which i thought i had included but i didn't was to just like be sad and see how the audience reacts. The mm-hmm. joke was that. Mm-hmm. That um, makes sense. Then we get to something that I, even I wasn't familiar with. I think this is on the album that you I wanna, have that I don't. I'm going to I'm gonna move this to the end. Let's talk about this at the end of the YouTube clips. Okay. okay that makes sense. Um, so the next one is Tony Clifton, his first TV appearance as Tony from 1977. Yeah. So, Jimmy, we did tell you about Tony Clifton yes. in the first segment. And this is the beginning, and the next video is is um, more recent. A, a good comparison because it shows. Well, it's two short videos, but it shows the beginning of the character to who the character at became. the height of its uh, the height of Tony Clifton's power. So, what did you okay. think about this, Jim? No, I thought the Tony Clifton bit was pretty good. I thought the personality was really on point, and um, just the I don't know the character. I think is if you choose to believe it's a character, 
Um, well, the first one is definitely Andy, Andy Kaufman. Kaufman. I mean, he doesn't yeah, have glasses absolutely. on, no prosthetics. Nope. Yeah, yeah, you he's, can definitely tell that. Yeah, it's him. he's just playing a character. Yeah. Um, but then the second one, Tony Clifton tells a hilarious joke. Yeah, was that was interesting. You could definitely see that. Uh, because that actually showed Kaufman in the audience, right? But the camera cuts to the audience. See, this wasn't yeah. live. This so was, that wasn't um, live. Andy Kaufman. That's what I assumed. Yeah, yeah, but you know that this is Bob's Muda as a fan. Is it? Yeah, it's definitely Bob's Muda. I could tell by the voice. Oh, oh, really? See, I, I can't. I still can't tell because I don't yeah. know. So Bob's Muda as which. Kaufman. No, Bob's Muda as Tony. Oh, okay, so that makes more sense. As, I call it Bob Tony. <laughs> Bob Tony. Andy Tony and Bob Tony. That's pretty. And, good. and this is Bob Tony. But it's Tony Clifton at the height of his powers. He's he's so combative with the audience. He's literally against participation. Like when people are like calling back answers, he gets mad and tries to de- drag yeah. the guy on the stage. But this also highlights what Dan said earlier about like he owes him a favor for some reason. In this introduction, yeah. Andy says that he's his protege, but like <laughs> yeah. that's there's no yeah. very strange. Who is yeah. Tony Clifton? Like how many stand-up comedians do you know that bring weird bad lounge singers <laughs> yeah. on stage? Yeah, I don't know. I, I could see Eugene Merman doing something like that. Yeah, well, not without Andy Kaufman doing it first, that's though. True. Yeah, and, yep. and the other thing that I love about this clip is how they cut back to Andy. Like Andy introduces him, but then they cut back at the end of the clip mm-hmm. to just awkward uncomfortable laughter from andy as the rest of the audience is like disinterested <laughs> he's just cracking yeah. up but I that's that's why that. I, yeah. i'm pretty sure that it's he's not it's not laughing live because it, it cuts and he's just like going crazy laughing uncontrollably at yeah. a bad joke i don't know which is the joke it's it's very strange and very weird and i i kind of love it and it also ties into this mystery of is he laughing and does he bring tony clifton out because he legitimately likes him and thinks it's funny or is it this <laughs> background storyline of like he's forced to for some reason or another right is he like laughing because he's like oh i gotta laugh for this guy it's just enough it just deepens the whole weird mystery so then we get to uh kaufman's appearance on the dating game yeah which i just think it the dating game itself is is such a good formula for hilarity. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's actually on the actual dating game as this character, I think is amazing. So the crazy thing about this, right, is Paul Rubens also did this. He went on yeah. as Pee Wee Herman Pee-wee. when he was working out the character with the groundlings. Yeah, yeah. But at this point, this is from 1978. So Andy Coffin was on SNL in 1975, and Taxi was from 1978 to 82. Mm-hmm. So this is either at the beginning of Taxi or like right when it's starting. So he's not a total unknown right now. Yeah. People yeah. are aware of who he is, yeah, which yeah. I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is the other thing, is if you do a little research, you find out that at this time, game shows, the dating game and some other game shows would actually use um stand-ups and like you know starting out actors as themselves but they would use it to like put a little extra oomph into their cast so in other words you get a stand-up comedian who's naturally witty and sharp and fast to be on your game show and they just inject a little humor yeah well they had andy kaufman and he had no interest (laughs) in being like funny like Oh, I'll just use little quips to make this even better. He just took over the entire segment. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I just think that because he was using that same character, the the foreign Bajit. man. Yeah, um, that, which I I thought was great. Going back to what Dan said about his naivety, mm-hmm. na- naivete. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
that's, yeah, that's exactly that's the whole, what he does because he doesn't yeah so the the premise behind this was the host i don't know who it is some guy who looks like he could have been a mafioso's friend <laughs> um says that bachelor number three canceled they just pulled this guy off the street obviously so he's in that's on it real. you know that yeah so so the show's in on it he's in on it but i but don't he think... doesn't understand the concept of the game so when they ask him questions he says i don't know what she looks like yeah <laughs> yeah that was so, so good i don't know about you guys it's it's not clear but to me it seems like the host and the producers the people making the show know what yes. andy's gonna do but i don't think the other contestants no i don't think so I or know. the female nope or the audience know what's happening. Correct. Yeah. And um, I love towards the end was when his entire facial expression <laughs> changes, like when he thinks when he finds out he lost. Like, yeah. He's like, no, no, I won. I answered all the questions right. It's so good. <laughs> and he just like he just like stumbles over there awkwardly. You're like, oh, come give her a hug and a kiss. He's like, I don't want to. I've yeah. seen this before many times. I don't want to say like you know 20 times i've seen it a few times but this had me crying yeah i was laughing so loud at this it's so good it's probably my favorite thing that we've watched on these all everything that we've watched and i like it because a lot of people remember his negative stuff like we're gonna get to the wrestling and things like that and yeah and the combativeness this is super lighthearted. it's super fun and like optimistic especially on a show like the dating game which is already like TV when TV was like super positive and all I, those game shows. I think he and... really did have two sides of his personality that he wanted to explore. He wanted to be the hero and the villain. Yeah. And you see that in other things. Right. I mean, talking about optimism, we go on to the last clip. <laughs> right. Friendly we, world single along, we move The Friendly World Andy Kaufman special from 1979. And it's just such a fun happy spirited song yeah bit and it goes back to him playing children's songs it goes back to him impersonating that's exactly what i wrote down he idolized elvis and he like wanted to be like this guy Mm. that everybody loved and this video jim was played at his funeral Um, oh was it in man on the moon they kind of showed that too Mm -hmm. the biopic Mm. it actually wasn't this video it was filmed for his funeral he filmed a sing-along to be played but it's a song it was a song right it was this song it was literally him speaking to camera and they did it follow the bouncing ball yeah at his funeral oh that's awesome and not to get too in like too uh i don't know psychological with it but to me like i always wonder when i see this stuff is this the real andy Mm. he chose to have this played at his funeral it's like this is the song and dance man, like Jeff talked about, the childlike entertainer. Yeah. Um, is this the way he wanted the world to remember him? I think so. It's just pure, unadulterated joy. He's not afraid of being corny or cliche or whatever. He brings up all these people, like his teacher, all these people onto the stage and just leads them in an optimistic single. Yeah, but even at a funeral, which is, you know, a sad the, the saddest thing that you can see mm-hmm. for the most part um he wants to go out with people laughing exactly that's all he wants he just wants people to be happy that's why i think this is the closest to the real andy that i we, think so we too see. and i mean if if you read more about his personal life or watch man on the moon you see there's some darker stuff in his personal life mm-hmm. but i wouldn't say it's like evil or anything like that he just wants people to be happy um, yeah, and we all have different aspects of her personality. He wasn't afraid to show the darker sides and the lighter sides. Right. Mm. 
And then going back to that clip, it's from... Um, I want those tapes. Yeah, so in 2013, um, a record was released that I wasn't even on my radar. I saw it at our local record store, and I bought it because it's mm-hmm. Andy Kaufman, and I need it in my life. And he had recorded from... And it's 19- called Andy Kaufman and His Grandmother, right? Andy and His Grandmother is the name of the album. Uh-huh. And th- this clip is called I Want Those Tapes because he bought a tape recorder in 1977 to 79, which at that time were expensive. Mm-hmm. But he was a famous TV star, so he can afford it. And he recorded just conversations. But he was also doing weird shit, too, on there. Like, he was recording songs that you could only listen to while you were asleep, which was a very funny bit. But I put this one on here because he was talking to his girlfriend at the time and he had recorded her saying a bunch of stuff, talking about a bunch of stuff. And she's arguing with him like, I want those tapes. I don't want any. Oh, this was Lynn. I was wondering. I don't know if it was her or another girl. I think it was a different girl because they bleep out her name. They don't say who it is. Yeah. Um, But then he's talking to somebody on the phone. It was either his lawyer or his friend. I don't think it was Bob's Muda. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that either. It didn't sound like Bob, but. That was someone that he typically bounced these ideas off of. Right. And then um, he was saying like, oh, if I release these, uh, she might kill me. And he's like, wouldn't that be great if uh, if I got killed, but if I was more famous? And they were talking about faking his own death and how funny it would be. Yeah. And listening to it 30 years after he dies was chilling. Like it went. Mm-hmm. And this is the last track on the record. So I'm listening. I just sat down, put on headphones, put the record on, listened to it side to side was laughing i was you know enjoying his comedy and this just like changed my mood at mm-hmm. the end because it's so ah it's, it's just creepy yeah it is yeah what'd you think of this jim i thought it was interesting i was confused in the beginning because i didn't really have any context for it just it. throws you in yeah um but yeah the, the whole how he's basically explaining how he's going to fake his own death and come was, back as another person, Tony yeah. Clifton. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't it be great if she killed me? <laughs> so, yeah. so messed up. I don't know. It, it's really interesting to think about. Obviously, I think that he's obviously passed away a long time ago. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely fun to Just think about. Just the fact, though, that he ha- was able to sow that little seed of doubt where we're even talking about. Yeah, like, for sure. Right, because I was with Jimmy for a long time. I was like, he's dead. Like, it would be... It's so funny to think about him still being alive, just like living a secret life on an Arizona yeah. farm or ranch or something. Yeah. Um, but then he comes out with this and just changes everything. Yeah. And like the people who put this out, if he is alive, did he purposely hold this back until 2013? Until 29 <laughs> years after he died? Who knows? I, I think that it, it it's, it's just really funny for people to think that he's going to be still alive while they should be mourning him. I th- I think that he just likes the idea of that. Yeah, he just kept the joke running. Yeah. So, yeah. And then moving on from the, the lighthearted Andy that we were just talking about to the, the, <laughs> the Andy ultimate that, heel. Yeah, might be a villain. Um, So, we watched I'm From Hollywood, which is a, a sh- short documentary about his wrestling careers, intergender championship. wrestling championship. <laughs> yeah. That's very difficult to find online. So we also put a playlist of like the raw material that this documentary um, was stitched together. Yeah. Um, so you can watch that. But we're just going to talk briefly about his the whole his wrestling, wrestling saga because it was several years of his life. It wasn't just he was like, into it. It wasn't just like 
a month of time. It, yeah. It went pretty crazy. He would he would put on these wrestling events because he always wanted to be a wrestler when he was growing up. Yeah, he loved this, the high drama of it. And this is before WWF went crazy with it. Like this is before WrestleMania and before Hulk Hogan and before Andre the Giant, before everything. It was still a more regional thing. Like he makes fun of a lot of the wrestlers and the fans was, calling them like hillbillies. Yeah, it was stuff. very popular yeah. in the South. And he would wrestle women. Some sometimes they were real, but a lot of times he would just have women come from the audience and wrestle him. And he would beat them because you know he was big and strong, which yeah. he really wasn't. Yeah. Um. So he became the intergender championship, and the the whole character was about misogyny. Yeah, and, and this was I mean was I'm creep. I'm sure that there were wrestling heels um before him. Oh but, yeah, but he really became like the first big villain. And because of his star status, he was able to bring that character to a wider audience than wrestling. It was being televised. Was. Like a lot of on wrestling wasn't televised. Tonight or show it was on and stuff. Public TV. Yeah. Um, even David Letterman wasn't as big back then, but he still was on cable. Yeah. Um, and the, the story goes that he was wrestling a woman and it was getting a little rough. And then Jerry Lawler, who we know as just like this moderator for WWF, WCW, but he was, he was a popular wrestler back then. He was one of their biggest stars at that time. Jerry, the King. Yeah. He, he runs into the ring and starts beating up Andy and it just started this years long feud, which kept going on and on. So uh, Jimmy, if you want to take it from here. Yeah. So um, apparently uh, Jerry Lawler, said that andy was suing him uh i i think at the end of the, that match he said he was going to sue him well there becomes all these weird layers not to interrupt you but yeah sure so um they have this initial fight and jerry lawler performs a pile driver yeah uh which supposedly broke andy's neck and then and he, he's never seen without a brace until it heals like even in public yeah. he's always wearing yeah. a neck brace and andy comes out and says listen the whole thing was a bit, all this was a bit, Jerry knew it was a bit, but he went too far and he did the pile driver when he wasn't <laughs> supposed to. So now it's real. Yeah. And now I'm suing him. And then it just, it just keeps going. They're on Letterman. And, and there's and, doubts back and forth throughout this whole time of what's real. Um, yeah. So uh, I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't get through a lot of this. Um, I'm not a huge fan of wrestling. So this kind of stuff just kind of fell off for me. Um, I, I, I think I like the concept better than I like the actual you just, execution. What, what you really have to get from this, if you don't want to watch all of the wrestling matches that are in the playlist yeah. or all of the TV bits, cause there's like, there's a lot of just shit talking to the camera, you know? He's yeah. like, I'm from Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I love that next. bit. The, the, I'm from Hollywood stuff, which is so funny. I love the fact that he's acting so entitled, uh, because he, he, play, so he plays fun. up the fame. He's just a guy from yeah, Long yeah. Island who was on a TV show, but he plays up like, I'm famous. Yeah. He's a coastal elite. Yeah. <laughs> um, what you really have to know is that this is just like a three or four year troll. Yeah. Like yeah. that. That's what he did. And there were even points. I don't know if you got to it where he said that, um, you know, he got into another feud with Jimmy Hart, who was another big wrestler at the time. Mm. And then he said that he wanted to, to team up with Jerry Lawler, put everything aside to beat Jimmy Hart in a tag team match. And then at the end of that, Jimmy Hart turns on Jerry Lawler. So you have these <laughs> double crosses, which I don't know. I'm not that into wrestling when I don't know when this became popular, but this is, this seems to me like it could be one of the first big double crosses, which became a <laughs> staple of what made wrestling 
uh, entertainment great from the 80s to 90s. And there's also parts of this that made television history, like the slap on Letterman was a big deal when Jerry yeah. Lawler slaps him and knocks him out of the chair and and Andy goes crazy. I'm suing Letterman. I'm suing <laughs> Jerry Lawler. And nobody to this day will say what is real. You know, yeah. Jerry Lawler alludes that it was all in good fun and that they're great. They were great friends and he's a good guy. But, but there's, there's also there's reports of doubt. him like being legitimately pissed off and maybe taking some of these bits further than they should have. Yeah. Right. Like Andy accused him of being like a big dumb meathead and getting carried away with the bit and actually hurting Andy. So who knows? It's somewhere in between probably. Yeah, probably. So yeah. Nope. Jimmy, we've prevent we've presented to you yeah. both sides of Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Well, do you have any overall thoughts? Overall, I think his entire career, I guess I would say, is super interesting. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who had no idea who Kaufman was, and uh, I was kind of explaining to him like how he would just basically do these bits in real life and just totally gaslight people, and people would have no idea if it was real or not. And he was like, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, just people, even just explaining Kaufman, I think is worth it, you know? I think the most impressive part is that most of this and most of what we know and have seen or heard of Andy Kaufman is from a 10 year period. And yeah. we're talking about it 40, 50 years later. Mm -hmm. He's like the Beatles. That's like 10 <laughs> years too. He did inspire a lot of the comedy that we see today. Like oh, for sure. Jeff just referenced Eugene Merman. Yeah. And if you, um, when I was watching this, uh, the old comedy, our scene. YouTube playlist on my TV, um, it kept going. So I watched another bit thinking that Dan had added it to the playlist and I didn't know it. <clears throat> and he was um, interviewing his ex-girlfriend, Elaine uh, Boozler. <laughs> and it was like this talk show format but his table was elevated on a platform like 15 feet high. <laughs> and then the camera pans out and she's sitting down looking up at him. I'm like, this is absurd. And that is a clear inspiration of the Eric, Eric Andre, Andre show. show. Oh, um, yeah. He inspired Tom Green by doing like man on the street stuff. Yep. Like, he didn't necessarily go out on the streets and record people. But Tom Green did that with his parents. He would do all this crazy stuff. And they took mm -hmm. it to Sasha another Sasha Barone Cohen. Exactly. You're talking yeah. about eliciting comedy from unknowing participants like. That's a huge thing. Like, yeah, it's just he was absolutely a pioneer. It, it It's insane. The the amount of stuff that he did. And like what you said, a 10 year period. Yeah. So I think the time has come to find out. Jeff, you want to join me in on this? I do. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, did, did we, we talk, talk you into, into Andy Kaufman? Alone by Edgar Allan Poe. From childhood's hour, I have not been, as others were, I have not seen. As others saw, I could not bring, my passions from a common spring. From the same source I have not taken, my sorrow I could not awaken. My heart to joy at the same tone, and all I loved, I loved alone. Then in my childhood, in the dawn, of a most stormy life, was drawn. From every depth of good and ill, the mystery which binds me still, from the torrent or the fountain, from the red cliff of the mountain, from the sun that round me rolled in its autumn tint of gold, from the lightning in the sky as it passed me flying by, from the thunder and the storm, in the cloud that took the form, when the rest of heaven was blue, of a demon in my view. Do you understand? <laughs> Thank you very much.